Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Instead of bringing on a guest today, I'd like to talk about some of the common themes we keep hearing that are coming up over and over again from individuals we are either talking to on this podcast or organizations we're working with. So in this episode, I'd like to reflect on how our relationship with work has changed over the past 18 months, as well as provide some tips for leaders on increasing their employee engagement. After so much was stripped away from us this past year and a half, it's no wonder that people are reevaluating their time. If it wasn't blurry before the pandemic, the lines between our work lives and our personal lives virtually disappeared. There was an element of humanity that was introduced into the work experience, being virtual, stuck at home, on Zoom calls when all sorts of personal events may have been happening in the background or interfering with work calls. But it also illuminated for many that work doesn't have to be just about getting a paycheck, especially if you're spending a lot of time there. Many are calling into question the purpose of their work and perhaps beginning to feel even more restless. A New York Times article published in April called Welcome to the YOLO Economy tracked how many millennials are quitting their corporate jobs in search of something more fulfilling. Some are changing companies better align with their own personal values, where others are following lifelong dreams and leaving the cubicle behind altogether. The trend that the New York Times picked up on was not just among the millennials, however, in what economists are now calling the Great Resignation. Millions of workers are leaving their jobs either for other companies or for passion projects. April, May, and June alone saw a total of 11.5 million workers quit their jobs, and more are coming. As a leader, you may be experiencing some of these impacts already. You may even have discontent among your own team members. However, as leaders, we have the biggest opportunity to influence positive change amongst our people, and we have the power to fix problems that impact our teams. We just need to make the effort. So what are some of the things we can do as leaders to help our team feel more fulfilled? One, involve your team in defining goals. One of the best exercises is involving your team with goal setting. In sitting down with your team, you can identify their individual goals as well as communal goals. In many ways, this helps open up communications between yourself and the team. It will help give you a sense for what your team is thinking, as well as perhaps open your ears to their own values. What is also key here is to find a way to help align the individual's goals with the mission of the team or the company. If you can enmesh an employee's purpose to the overall purpose, then that employee will not only feel more valued, but find value in their work. One of the biggest causes of employee disengagement is feeling disconnected to the organization. If you can show your employees why their work matters, not only to themselves, but to the company, you can build that sense of community and purpose. Two, ask your team for advice. Another way to involve your team and build that sense of community and purpose 
is asking for their advice during difficult times. If this past year has taught us anything, it's that isolation can be socially and mentally detrimental. So whether you're still virtual or you're going back into the office, build connections through your transparency as a leader. The days of the stoic leader with all the answers is over. Nowadays, situations are too complex, vast, or abstract to simply have one person know it all. Instead, both you and your team can benefit from transparency and inclusivity. Now, you don't need to say to your team that you have absolutely no idea what to do. This is about asking them what they think they would do and how they would solve the problem. It helps to foster ownership in a solution, especially when you're going through difficult times. More importantly, it helps to get their concerns on their table so you can address some of those concerns. You might be overlooking issues that you didn't know or didn't think about. Your team can bring to light new information and new ideas and help develop new solutions. They will also feel that they've been heard and respected by you, which in turn helps bolster their respect for you. The third tip is do a gratitude exercise. Another exercise I personally like to implement is a gratitude exercise. Once a week or more, have your team say three things they're grateful for on a team call. It can be anything that's small, perhaps, something that happened that they're happy to share, or it can relate to work or their personal life. This is an exercise that accomplishes many things. You may even notice in yourself a boost in mood. Say, for example, you had three wins that week, but two challenges. As challenges tend to take up a lot more headspace, you and your team may forget about the positives. A simple gratitude exercise is a great way to remind people of progress made and to celebrate wins. People need to feel that they're making progress and growing. Additionally, a gratitude exercise can help you build bonds between you and your team, and you can start to see what other people value and get to know them better. You may now be able to hear about some of the things that positively impact an employee and replicate that. You may also get a little peek into their lives outside of work. Maybe one coworker is grateful their child is now potty trained, while another is grateful for their spouse. This exercise helps humanize everyone on the team so that in times of stress or even conflict, you and your team can work together through challenges, recognizing that we all have human needs. Either way, doing a gratitude exercise builds bonds, trust, and morale. Before I hop off today, I'd like to just remind some folks about books that are out there that can help generate ideas on how to bring more heart into the business space. As New York Times bestselling author talks about his book, Drive, Danielle Pink's reminds us that it's not about the money that motivates us, or it's not the primary motivator, but rather a deep sense of human connection, a need that we all feel. We all desire to learn things and to create new things, do a better job by ourselves and the world we live in. If we can't do that in the environment we're in, we don't perform to our best, and hence the organization suffers. But one of my favorite books that I read this past summer is by Hubert Jolie, the CEO that turned around Best Buy, called The Heart of Business. Hubert echoes what Pink found in his research, 
and says in his book, Connecting Individual Purpose with the Company's Purpose, Nurturing Authentic Human Connections, Encouraging Autonomy, and Fostering Mastery all contribute to creating an environment in which every individual wants to give the very best of him or herself. In this book, Hubert shares very specific examples that reinforce we've spent way too much time in the headspace running our businesses over the years, and now we need more heart. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to learn more tips and tricks, please go to our website at consinityus.com, check out the Survive and Thrive podcast tab, and certainly you can always send us a note at hellocincinity at consinityus.com. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.